Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. I was, I was listening to in the prompt, yes. We're soon going to be ending on, I think it's November 13th, so you have to call in with all your questions in the next few weeks. And the next few weeks, we're going to be in a little bit different temperatures. This morning, it was cool. As I sat in my truck waiting for the, the fog to come off of the windshield, I looked up, the, up at the trees and I thought, wow. You know, a few weeks ago, we had the fog that was in there, and I actually took some photos of a a hedgerow that had these majestic trees that were kind of eerie. They looked smoky in the mist. And I thought, have you ever taken the time to look at the trees without their leaves? How they can stand so vertical, some of them very gnarly, and some so majestic. It is the leaves that dress them, but it's the stance and the power of those trees that hold dear. And wow, they've had such a hard year. Please listen to the poem that I found today called Falling Leaves. The winter approaches, the summer is past. How fast the leaves fall in the chilly north blast. They gather in heaps by the side of the way then scatter like children in rollicking play. They seem as the birds with intelligence crowned, slowly fluttering down from the ground. How joyous their movements as upwards they spring, like the clumsy fledglings first trying its wing. No lark appears happier chasing its note, the joy in its heart leaping out of its throat. When May last approached with its bright shiny skies, and Flora's pet child, with its indigo's eyes, was watching a youth in a golden surtout, as slowly he rose from a terexicum rout. The oak at my window looked barren and dead, no promise of leaves where the old had been shed. His fingerless hands to the sun he upbore, a beggar forlorn, he did mutterly implore, Apollo to clothe him with venger again through woofs of the sun to weep warps of the rain. The wind swept its branches as harps as they strung. The birds were in transport and sang as they swung. The clouds scattered tears on each embryo leaf. The sun kissed them off, giving gladness for grief. The birds bursting bonds that had held them for so long. The weaklings at first became suddenly strong. No cunning of man could such power bestow, and through the alburnum coax fluids to flow. Who taught these young leaves to choose food with such skill as the beads from the flowers and the nectars fill? What taste in their investments they wisely displayed. They studied the prisms ere garments they made. When up in the branches they would first could be seen to hasten their growth, they did dawn bright green. Attaining full size, they wore russets and browns like utterly matrons in plain, modest gowns. What artists these leaves, what toilers they've been. 
so peerless in painting, so skillful to spin. Combining the forces of earth and of air, they crowned the old oak with a coronet rare. Their mission performed, they sent down to the soil for leaves of future bequeathments of oil. What eloquent sermons these leaves preach, what lessons of labor and patience they teach. O faith and good works, the gospel of cheer, they whisper to those who are willing to hear. Men boast when they give what they are never amiss. But where do we find such devotion as this? When the winds with their flails make the giant oaks bend and thrashed upon their cups the ripe orchids, acorns descend, like angels who come from their bright homes above to comfort the heart sore in need of their love. The faithful leaves drop to the acorns below, warm blankets upon them to tenderly throw. The winter may come with its ice and its silt, but safe are the nuts in the foliage quilt. And when they at length shall emerge from the cold, the spade of the acorns with pierce such unmold. The leaves that preserve them are now gone to decay, will nourish the monarchs of some distant day. Ay, wonderful things are these fast-falling leaves. From year after year, nature daintily weaves with dewdrops for needles, with sunbeams for thread, gay garbs for the living from shrouds of the dead. I think it's going to be a busy morning, so we're going to go right to lines. Judy's been waiting patiently. Hi, Judy. Hi. Go- Hi. How can we help you on the Lawn and Garden Journal this morning? I have beautiful geraniums, fiery red, and I'd like to know how to keep them for winter. Okay. Geraniums... Sometimes in different aspects, some people will bring them in and leave them in their soil uh-huh. and grow them in a sunny location in the in the house that's on there. So that gives us opportunity for next season to take some cuttings off of them and start new plants. And you'll have a nice big mother plant over the winter in there. And there's actually been some uh, comments from years ago that you can actually clean off the roots, trim off the roots a little bit, and hang them upside down in a bag uh, in a cool location, in a dark, cool location. And that's been known to work too as well. So you have to choose if you've got the space to keep them growing and going. Uh You can do that. But just remember, these are uh, annual plants, and most annual plants don't do well indoors, but... My grandmother in Saskatchewan always had geraniums in her, I I used to call it the sewing room or the freezer room because she had the freezer and her sewing in there. And she always had two big, beautiful geraniums there. And I know that she used them as mother plants because they always went outside. They were huge. And I think she also made new ones every spring from them. Okay? Yeah. She just put them in a cool room. Just you as much bright light as you can if you're going to keep them growing. But the only other thing, too, that you have to remember is our light levels are lower. So the plant is not respiring or growing in an active growth. So you can also cut back your watering on them. Because we okay. know, yeah, because you know, geraniums, oh, if this is the year that if you didn't if you didn't plant geraniums, the geraniums can go quite dry between waterings, and all the geraniums that I see in the city look beautiful this year. Here too later in the fall, they got so, fertilizer. Yeah, oh, they gave them lots they, of fertilizer. 
Well, you can stop fertilizing now because if you're going to be bringing them indoors, uh-huh. uh, you don't want them to be pushing them too much because indoors with the lower light levels, you might be causing the plants to stretch because they want to grow, but they don't have that highlight. Okay? Uh, you bet. Yeah, cut back on the fertilizer. Just bring them indoors. Bring them as much bright light as you can. Okay. Leave them in the pot indoors. You can leave them in the pot. Or you can lift them out of the soil, wash the soil off the roots, and then store them upside down in a like from a hanger inside of a bag. Some uh-huh. uh, there's a little old guy that used to tell me that, that he did that all the time. Is that right? That's good. Yeah, Ama- it's amazing. Huh? Yeah. So you might want to try it. You bet. I'll try it. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome, Judy, and thank you for calling in. I have enjoy. a great weekend. Thank you. You know, these are things, and it's like when I tell you that one of these, uh, a gentleman used to hang them up because he didn't have the space, but I guess in his basement it was dark and it was cool enough, and this is where we're also thinking about picking up those gladiola bulbs and all those other bulbs that have to be lifted, the dahlias. So let's go to line. Maybe Gwen is waiting. Maybe see what her next question is. Hi, Gwen. Hi. How are you this morning? (laughs) I'm very well, and I forgot to ask Judy where she was from, but where are you from? I'm from Plumas. Well, good morning, Plumeth. Uh, I have a question about a mogul pine. Okay. For all its life until the last two years, I have trimmed back half of the gro- new growth, like half of the candle. Yep. Cut them off. Well, the last two years I missed. Oh, okay. Now I would like to cut it back, maybe a foot or better. That, that might... Yeah, we usually don't endorse or suggest doing that because the leaf, but like if you were going to do that, the you would normally do it, I call it my Father's Day gift to my husband because the pruning of all spruce and evergreens should be done, uh, it depends on the season, sometimes late June, okay. when after the new growth has hardened off, those plants set their bud growth on that new season's growth. Okay. So, in the in the before when you used to cut those candles off, they hadn't produced that new bud set, so they would no. produce that new bud set further back. Yeah, yeah. So the harder the wood it is, it's harder for sometimes sometimes that bud set to go back a little further. Okay. Well, then so, I I have let it grow grow more than it should have grown. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could try cutting it back hard on the candles. Because sometimes candles could be like six, eight inches tall. Yes, they are, yeah. You know? So yeah. if the new growth comes in, then cut back that candle hard. That'll be next spring. That will be next, uh, after the June. new candles. So, yes, yeah. June. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. Okay. And if I gave you any bit of advice, make sure you water your mugle pines and cedars and spruce very well. Yeah. Okay? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Thank you okay. very much. You're very welcome. I'm not going to kill it then. <laughs> no, 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 no. You will not kill it. I will okay? go at it right now. No, no. Because okay. if it has some, sh- you can give it some nice shape, but uh, I wouldn't, I would personally not go that hard back on it. No. Okay. Thank you oh. very much. You're very welcome. All right. I enjoy your program weekly. <laughs> oh, well, thank, thank you, you for listening. Okay. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Enjoy the weekend. You know, let we I got to keep going. It's going to be a busy, busy morning. Hi, Katie. Good morning. Good morning. And where are you calling from? I'm calling from Morden. Well, good morning to everyone out in Morden. How yes. can we help you? 
I have a, a question about a rose, a little plant, a little rose plant that's come up beside the original plant. It's about, it has about six little leaves by now. And I'm wondering, can I transplant it now or should I wait till spring? I've actually done this before. And the plant yeah. that I picked, uh, that I planted from the mother plant actually grew very well and did really well. It's the Morden Centennial, I think. Oh, those are beautiful. It's the beautiful. dark pink one. Yeah, yeah, I know which one it is. And you they're very probably... showy. And I've, this, this one is actually one that the mother plant now is one that I transplanted a few years ago. You know, I find that the Morden Siri roses are very beautiful. They are a fabulous plant to grow. Uh, the whole series of them are great. But I know what you're talking about because some of the Morden roses that I have too, I have the mother plant, and then all, all of a sudden, I don't know if it's sometimes a branch gets laid down when it's soft and new growth, and all of a sudden it's rooting on its own. So you have two choices. You can either do it now, because I think the ground is still really warm. Like we are blessed with this warm ground that's underneath there. If you do it now, make sure you add uh, either a root rescue or a mycorrhizal that encourages establishment of roots. If you don't have that, you can use bone meal because that's going to help with that root establishment as well. Okay? Sounds good. Okay, and again, whenever we're moving anything now, it's we've gone through a very dry season, and last year was dry. The water table is really low. We really need to make sure and assure that our plants have given a little bit of moisture. I know some people have gotten some rain, but I still do feel that it's not enough. Okay? Good. Thank you for your help. Oh, you're very welcome, Katie. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It is a sunny, cool morning in Winnipeg. I hope you have a sunny day today to be out and about out and about in your gardens. We're going to go right back to lines. Herb is, la- Herb is holding there. Hello. Hi. Uh, I really like your uh, poem. Is it on the Internet? You know what? This one was on the... And I'll give you the name of this. This one was called Falling Leaves by Edgar Oscar Gale. Falling Leaves. But Ed- you know what? It's a beautiful time. I I usually pick an evening to start going through all, a bunch of poetry books and some of the poetry online just to find the perfect poem. And some of these poems just jump out at me. And it's amazing how much poetry is out there about gardening and how gardening affects life and life is gardening. So it's enjoyable pastime. What's Edgar's last name? Gale. Gale. G-A-L-E. Thank you very much. And I think you're very welcome. Okay. Do you have a gardening question? Uh, Well, actually, I did... uh, as soon as the the leaves are off the the maple and the and the green ash, can you start pruning? Yes, uh, when they're yes, when they've dropped. I usually like to see. They say when the leaves are down, but I find that there's still a little bit of sap that's going in there. Yeah. I like to say um, end of October, November, when it's really cold. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. and then right up until March okay. is perfect. Right. Okay. Thanks a lot. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for calling in. Bye. Bye-bye. We have to think of that, and it's sometimes it's like, okay, here is a reminder, Just Herb just gave me that sort of thing, is when we do start to do the pruning, you have to look at the character of the tree or the shrub that you're, A, going to do. Some people, it's like gardening. Do I plant now or do I plant in the spring? Do I prune now or do I prune just before the spring? 
So there's certain characteristics and certain plants that you can do in different time frames. Uh, you know that if it's a maple, do not prune that in the spring because it will it will just be running like crazy for you. That's on it with the sap. So that time and the other things too, your mock orange, your lilacs, you do not want to be pruning those in the fall because if you start getting out there with those secateurs and those pruners and those loppers, you're more than likely going to be cutting off the blooms for next spring. So those plants follow a category where we like to see them basically pruned right after their blooming power. So when your lilacs finish blooming, you have about a two-week window roughly that's in there until you can do your shaping and your pruning because you don't want to have this glorious big lilac tree and then devoid of those beautiful blossoms. Okay, and the same with some of your other ones, shaping things. And you may have heard some stories of me where uh, years ago, there's always a what if. And gardening is very much like that. There's different scenarios that react for different people. How things grow for you may not grow for others. And with me, sometimes it's the potentillas and the spireas that get a heavy, heavy haircut. They could be pruned back quite a bit. But the general rule of thumb for pruning of trees and shrubs is to remove one third of that capacity or the foliage or the branching. So you can remove one third back and one third off. So if you're thinning things out, you're taking out one third if you need to. If you're wanting to reshape it and bring the canopy or the upper size of it down, one third off. Okay, it gives you that little bit of a de-stressing factor that's in there. And as the leaves are leaving the trees, take a look into the tree because you'll see a lot of branches. And when we say cross-branching, Just imagine this melding branches going through each other. And if you see the the portions of where one branch has another branch rubbing against it, it will open and the wind is going to be the action that's on there. And a continual rubbing of one branch against another branch will eventually open the cambium, causing an injury. So this is the time where you can say, all right, I love the shape of this branch, but this one is going to be incumbent to that one. So that is the one that we are going to remove to make it the best shape for you. And sometimes shaping trees as well. It gives you that beautiful little position and shapes because there's a lot of detail that people will sometimes put into their trees to give you that uniqueness, that shaping that's in there. I know I don't know all about it, but there are some parks that you go through and the detail It's like creating a huge bonsai plant. Have you ventured into bonsai? It's where you sculpt and shape and you make these drifting sort of anomaly plants. So there are some characters that you can definitely do in that. Now, we've talked about the trees. If you need some more questions on trees, you can give me a call. 1-800-374-3315. But there's a couple things that uh, we haven't gotten a frost yet. Maybe I'll put it on a shout out there. Have you got frost? Because if you have, it's too late to do your tree banding of your tangle foot and bands. If you haven't got, you still have a narrow window that maybe you can probably get that on. Now, the other thing too that I'd like to say is the dormant oil lime sulfur spray for 
uh, inhibiting or deterring some active bugs from uh, overwintering and diseases on your trees. You have to do this now that the leaves have fallen. Yes, the leaves are down on the ground. Although, okay, I'm sorry, I'm giving you a step back. Half of my Manchurian tree has the leaves still on it, on the protected side where it faces the evergreens, and the other half still is holding its leaves. So dormant oil line sulfur spray is an application that you can put on your trees if you have trees that are struggling with either bugs or disease that will help you to deter it. So you can apply it after the leaves are gone and again in the spring before the leaves come back on to your trees or your shrub that's on it. Now, what do we do with all these leaves? What do we do? There are so many leaves that are on the ground and there are so many little scenarios of what to do. A few things that we can do. Mulch them with your lawnmower and leave them on the ground. In nature, the trees fall to the ground. They give the blanket. They keep this warmth that's underneath it. It's a protective matter that's on it. Sometimes, yes, it gets built up way too much before it gets break down. But I think in a, a normal city lot there, it if you mulch them, you're going to add some nutrient base back to your gardens, which we're all looking for subsidizing and giving any type of nutrients back that's into it. How about composting? How's your composting going? So do your grass and your cuttings, go your greens with your browns and do the layering because we know that compost is gold. The next seasons, when you go to take that compost out of the out of your composters, you will see what I mean. It is beautiful. It is rich. It just gives you that extra oomph in the garden. Now, the other thing, when you're composting and you've got a little bit left over, the leaves actually not only insulate the ground, they can be used for insulating some of your maybe not so tender perennials or if you know that some of your trees and shrubs are in areas that do not get as much snow cover, you can create these banks of leaves around them for the insulating factor that's on it. So those are some of the things that I'd like you to start thinking about when you are starting to prepare for winter. Because yes, the temperatures are dipping. We have to actively get into our gardens and start doing some of this stuff so that we don't get caught. All right? You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. The phone number here is 1-800-374-3315. Sorry, I uh, was telling Eva a little earlier, I'm a little tongue-tied, a little tired. I've got my elf shoes on here, so we're changing seasons at the at the garden center. And ch- talking about changing of seasons, yes, our gardens are getting ready. Now that we've taken care of the leaves off of the lawn, this is a good time that if maybe if you're doing a little bit of... Uh, taking and remember too we do not want to leave the lawn long before going into where we have yep the white stuff okay before it snows we want to make sure that we're not putting the lawnmower away too early because sometimes we'll get caught where our lawn is too long and this just makes opportunity for those voles to have this nice cozy lushness of lawn that they're able to run through underneath the snow. I know it's kind of hard to say, okay, you're asking me to leave leaves in certain areas of my garden to protect my trees and shrubs, but we don't want them on mass because if you do have a vole problem, that could be a little bit of a deterrent too. So you have to weigh 
the measures of what to do on one hand and what's good for you on the other hand. So keeping the lawn on a little bit of a shorter uh, aspect that's on it is also good. This is the time too where if you have some spots that need sort of overseeding or if you want to do a slight overseeding of the lawn to give it that little bit of a boost, putting it down just before the snow flies is the best time to actually do this. You do a little bit of your uh, mowing. You get that a little, I love putting a base of peat moss underneath and sort of fluffing it up into the grass after it's been cut and then putting an overlay of our top dress seeding that mix that's in there. Think of it, it sits there dormant underneath these warm blankets and as soon as spring becomes, the, the snow melts, it adds moisture to that seed and as the spring season progresses, your lawn is starting to grow at the same time as the seed is starting to germinate. So those are the areas that you want to maybe, you know, maybe get ahead of some of the dog spots that have been happening in the lawn or in some areas where you think that there's, uh, you've had a little bit of treading that's been a little bit too much, put some grass seed down. It gives you one extra thing that can be done now rather than in the spring, right? We're sharing the loads of labor on both sides. So it just gives you that little bit of boost and a little bit of help that's on there. Now, We've done the, the grass, we've done the leaves. Now don't forget the tree guards. The two things that you need to do is uh, tree guarding. Uh, I wanna give you all these tips because you're gonna have success with overwintering a lot of your trees and shrubs and you wanna have success against deterring, all right, it's the V word, the bowls again, from eating any of your sweet trees. Like if you have apple trees, cherry trees, or even maple trees, and sometimes they'll even go after cedars. It depends on what the winter is and what the food source is available for them. So it's a really uh, sort of not expensive way to protect yourself. They're like tree-banded spiral plastic bands that you can put around the trunks of your trees. And just remember, they'll go 30 inches tall, or if your bark or your trunk of the caliper of the tree is wider, they'll spread out a little further. You may have to put two on there. But just remember, if you put it close to the ground to deter the voles from getting that cambium on the lower base of your trunk, done, thumbs up. But you also have to remember the rabbit's above. So if the rabbit is sitting on top of the snow at the two foot mark and there's cambium exposed on the upper portion of it, put a little collar further up the tree. Because if he nibbles on the branches of the tree, I call it natural pruning. But you want to protect the source and the source is that trunk. That's there. So now we've dealt with that one as well. And the other thing, spruce and cedars. We've been talking about adding moisture to spruce and cedars and evergreens. Now, if you have young ones that have been planted, there's a sort of the theory that if you protect them from the sun scald, yeah, I guess it's going to come fast when we think spring that we're going to talk about sun scalding on cedars. This is the time where you can get out your garden stakes the wood stakes, put them around your smaller evergreens, get those into the ground before freeze up. But do not, do not put the burlap wrapping up against the tree or the shrub because these branches become brittle in the winter and if they get the rubbing or the blowing action from the burlap, it can actually cause breakage on the foliage. So I like to see it two or three inches away from the outer branching, put your stakes in the ground, lean them upward so that when you're wrapping your burlap around when it is in the point where it's sustainably cold 
and we know we're not getting warm again, you can then go out and wrap your burlap around your stakes that are in the ground. Use a staple gun to anchor it to the sides, but leave the top of the burlap open because we've basically tented it and we want to make sure that the top of the tent is open on the top. So if they do have a warming effect that's in the inside, that that heat is able to release on the outer top right we want that heat to release so the burlap is going to add, add as a preventative me- measure away from sun scald which bounce off of the snow hits the foliage of the evergreens and the cedars and causes them to open up their cells which then when the winter winds come by they act as a desiccant on there so we want that to say stop we love our evergreens we want them to be nice and bold and green so it's a quick little measure that's in there Now, before we start going through on any other gardening, I have been noticing looking around, and this is the time of year that I love the color of the pumpkins. Yes, we are in pumpkin time and pumpkin motion now. And we, I love it. You know why? Because a lot of our planters, and I can contest, my front planters on my step, they're not looking that great. Like I said, the elf shoes are on at work. My planters are not looking the best. So this is the perfect way where I have ornamental grasses that are looking that festive autumn feel. So it's the time to put the pumpkins in the planters and give it that autumn feel too as well. Add some branches that's to it. And have you noticed that there is a resurgence and I think that there is an interest. People are taking pumpkins to the new level. They are escalating it with it because if you look at the pumpkins of past You're probably like me where we took the family and we had to find that perfect, perfect orange pumpkin. It was whether, you know, I had three other siblings, so it was a balance between is it tall and skinny? Is the face going to be long and elongated? Is it going to be plump and wide? But the pumpkins now are all different colors. Blues, whites, not even that two-tone color tones there's one that we have here that we just got in and i have to mention it it's called porcelain doll it yes the what is a porcelain doll it is a round pumpkin but the color is peach with orange veining that's running through it so these pumpkins have taken on it into a next level whoever thought of having a green okay i'm not taking a green pumpkin pumpkin that's green that's not ripe i'm talking a pumpkin that has green to blue hues that are in there there's one that i absolutely absolutely love and it's called blue delight it actually looks gray so it's that tone that's in it and have you ever heard of a pumpkin called pumpkimon it's like pokemon that's in there so even completely to the wordy pumpkins the cinderella shapes this is the month where the pumpkins are on on the rise. We're going to go right back to lines. There's Charlene. Hi, Charlene. Hi there. <clears throat> Hi. How can we help you on the Lawn and Garden Journal? Well, I was wondering about my glads, the ones that haven't bloomed. They're all late. They're blooming nicely now. Mm-hmm. But the ones that haven't blossomed, will the bulbs still be good for next year? Um, you know what? If, if, you, if they have not bloomed, as long as the foliage will go back, and I think you still have time frame before lifting them, that if with the cooler temperatures, the bulb should have the foresight in it to start 
taking some of the sugars and starches back into the bulb set. They might not be as big as the ones that have performed and gone through its entire cycle of growing, flowering, and then the energy back. But um, I'd still say you have a little bit of viability that's in there, but I suspect that the bulb size may not be as grand as the ones that have gone through blooming. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Some of them are still... Trying to blue, <clears throat> trying to blossom. Yeah. Well, I think the weather forecast still shows that there is, um, you know, some this week. I think we're still going to be good. There's one night that we might, depending on where you are, dip a little bit close to freeze. But um, you know, it's Winnipeg, and we are been blessed to have all this weather that we've had so far. Oh, it's been a beautiful fall. Oh. Uh, also, yeah. I have dahlias that are the same. They haven't blossomed. Okay, so I would probably suspect the same thing. You're going to eventually, before you get a hard frost, you're going to have to get those lifted up. Um, But you know what? The way that you're truly going to know is when you lift it up and you look at the size of the the forms and the bulbs underneath, okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be the true indicator of anything. Look at the roots and the bulbs. Well, they're still in the ground, so until we get a heavy frost, they'll stay there. <laughs> well, then you have opportunity to do other things today. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you bet. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, you're welcome. And Charlene, let us know how it goes next year with those bulbs. Oh, yeah, I probably will. I call in about once a year, it seems. Oh, and where are you calling from? Manitou. Manitou. I know exactly where you are. Do Hello, you? Manitou. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, then. Okay, Enjoy you. your day. Bye, then. Bye-bye. So there's all the different aspects of it. Like, we're still, and we, like I said, there are so many things that are in the gardens right now, driving around and seeing the flowers that still look beautiful. And it's the point that we should just about take that's in there. So I'd like to go back to... I I know that we're talking about pumpkins, but I'm just so energized with the pumpkins that are out there and looking at them. There's a few things that I'd like to put a challenge out to people because just because it's been a a different year for everyone, a little bit harder. And our flowers are the glorious part that we've been able to share with our neighbors. And it's our gardens that give that, that life, that brightness, that cheeriness to it. So if you can create something really cute with a pumpkin this fall, It's something that the children will just absolutely like. So if you dress up a pumpkin, what kind of pumpkin are you going to put in? If you do a different type of pumpkin, are you going to do a stacked pumpkin? Are you going to get a warty pumpkin? It's all about the colors and the textures. You can never have too many pumpkins that dress up. All right. Well, everyone, it's been, as usual, it's been my pleasure talking with you about everything about gardening. And don't forget... The pumpkins are not just for the porch. They're for eating and enjoying too as well. The blue delights are an edible one. So make it a pumpkin hunt. Look for the one for the porch and maybe one for making those pumpkin pies. We'll be back again next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.